0: Sorry, hang on just a second, I'm just finishing this text. <laughs> Send. Okay, good. Hey, isn't that the scene that, that so often we see in our world today, right? Uh, I didn't see, I saw some of the Mueller clan here today, but I didn't see Jolt. So he's not here today. So I asked him a few months ago, my friend and chiropractor, Dr. Jolt Mueller, I said, hey, have you noticed, like people's poor posture like increasingly more and more and more as it is related to like like always looking down at our phone or I know even like a laptop if I sit in a chair and my laptop is actually on my lap or even on a table and I'm looking down and he says yes actually you know that's becoming more and more common that we see you know our necks are basically just growing down in this direction because this is now what is normal. And it didn't always used to be this way, but now this is the way it is. Everywhere we go, we see people on their phones all the time. These devices have completely changed our world. I remember 11 years ago when Steve Jobs uh, introduced the very first iPhone. And uh, it, it was a revolutionary moment. And it was like the world responded with a resounding yes. We will give you $600 that we don't have for a phone like that. Okay, so this is the picture of the iPhone here, and this is pretty much what mine looks like, except mine's black because that's, you guys know. That's how I roll. Black everything. But why did we need this? Because our, our phones look like this, this other phone here. How many of you, how many of you had this? Right? I remember having, I having, I was the first person in my family to get a, a cell phone. Um, actually, I take that back. My grandfather had a cell phone. It was like one of those big, giant brick Motorola's, you know. It was huge. And then, uh, and then I ended up having a cell phone before my parents did. And, and it was more difficult to text on. You know, uh, you know it, if you wanted a map, you actually had to go buy, like, the Rand McNally book, you know, and flip the pages and then look up, you know, A3. That's on that grid. That's where that street is in that grid. And, or you went to MapQuest and you printed out the directions. Do you guys remember that? It's like no no one does that anymore. No one has to do that anymore. Our phones have become like an appendage. We've all had that moment. Even this morning, I dropped my phone. And it's like the world starts slowing down. You guys remember the Superman 3 when he had to spin, like, go around the world backwards to, to reverse time? And it's almost like things started slowing down and you drop your phone and you're like, Oh, no. And then it lays there face down, and there's the big question. Is the screen cracked? And it feels like an eternity as you bend down to pick that thing up, and you start going into some intense intercession. Oh, Lord God. You start going to war tongue. God, we just pray the anointing of God would fall on this phone, and you would heal it. And you pick it up, and the phone screen's not cracked. And there's this sense of relief. I know why my grandfather like that big old Motorola brick phone, because you could drop it a thousand times, and you couldn't damage it. He would still have it today if they would let him. But these things have become like an appendage to us. These little supercomputers that we call phones, we, we hardly even use them anymore to actually talk to people. We're texting, we're private messaging, we're doing all these other things, and it is quite amazing what we can do with these devices. We can do amazing things on it, But there's also a dark side to this technology that's affected us. Or I I could say it has infected us. One of the ways that our phones and technology has affected us is um, our attention spans. Our attention spans. It's affecting our attention spans. Have you ever been at line at Starbucks or at Target? And you've been standing there for less than 10 seconds... And there's no one to talk to. There's nothing to do. And you're just like, i got to get my phone out and just start scrolling and looking at things because I cannot be bored for a second. So technology is is shortening our attention spans. It's also affecting the way that we communicate with each other. Um, Just last week, I went to uh, a concert on Saturday. And before I went to a concert, I went with my brother-in-law we, we stopped, and we grabbed a bite to eat. And let me just say this. Can I just make a little rabbit trail here for a second? I don't do this often, but um, you know what was really cool? I went to this concert, and it was awesome, and it was a sold-out show at Bridgestone Arena, this big band. People from all around the world came to hear them, some big-name celebrities in Bridgestone that night to watch this band, and it was awesome. It was a power, some powerful moments. But there was one thing that we have here every single week that they didn't have there, and it's the presence of God. It was an amazing show. It w- they had the most amazing production. I love their songs, but they, the presence of God wasn't there. And I just noticed that, and I was, man, we have the presence of God here every single week. It's amazing. Okay, so that was my little rabbit trail. But so before we go to the show, we're, we stop and grab a bite to eat, and we look over at this table next to us, and there's this young couple out on a date probably in their mid to late 20s and they are staring with great intensity not into each other's eyes but into their phone screens both of them they're looking at their phone screens and they're sitting in silence for minutes for several minutes and then every once in a while they would look up to show each other what something that they saw that was intriguing or amusing and even just two nights ago, my dad took our entire family out to eat, and we're, ha- we're eating at dinner, and just across, right behind on the other table, there was this couple that, you know, they weren't sitting across from each other. They were snuggled up together, like, you know, Kevin and Parker here, like, out on a date. And, but then, like, the girls, like, taking selfies, and they're looking at their phone, and the guy's looking at the phone, and the entire meal, 75% probably, I would say, of the time that they spent together, the phone was out. It's affecting the way that we communicate with each other. For many of us, the phone is the first thing that we look at when we wake up in the morning. It's the last thing that we look at before we go to bed. I mean, if there were a tech version of Psalm 23 today, it would be, my phone is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because we look at these things for everything all the time. And can we just talk for a second about texting and driving? I'm just thankful to God that I'm standing before you today because a year ago last month, I was in a pretty serious accident. And we've got pictures of of my car there. And uh, traffic had stopped in an unusual place right here, out here on on 96. And I saw it, and I slowed down, and I was at a complete stop. And I looked in my rearview mirror, and I saw this car barreling towards me never even touched the brakes, going probably about 50 miles an hour, and slammed into the back of me. What's this obsession that we have with our phones? What's that all about? Why can't we even be bored for a second? Why can't we engage with people that are sitting right across the table from us? Why do we have to risk our own lives and the lives of other people so we can text and drive? Here's why. Because underneath everything in your life, there's this there's this underlying thing there. There's this voice that exists. And the voice might be, it might be a question that you're wrestling with, but you don't want to wrestle with that question. It might be a truth that exists that you're not wanting to face and accept that truth at this point in this time. And that that little that little voice, that little truth, that little question, it hangs out in our subconscious all the time. It's there. And then when things get quiet and when things get still, that little thing, that little guy tries to walk out of subconscious and walks out here into the area of conscious thought. And when we see that guy coming, we freak out a little bit because we're not wanting to I look at those questions. We're not ready to face those, those truths. And so what do we do? We freak out and we go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. here we go. Oh, let me distract myself with something so I don't have to think about that right now. That's why we text and drive. That's why we're willing, willing to risk our lives and the lives of others because we don't want to be alone for a second. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) That would happen. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if if you're watching on video, if you saw that or or if you could hear that or not, but a phone just went off. That was great. That was awesome. Um, (laughs) How do you recover from that? Bless you, my son. <laughs> Don't get distracted. Technology is really not the source of our dysfunction. Our phones aren't the source of the issue. Um, this, is, this is an issue of the human heart, really not a tech issue. It's, it's a human nature issue. Our phones, technology, has only magnified or amplified what already exists on the inside of us. I remember this same principle uh, with money. I remember uh, Deion Sanders. You guys remember Deion Sanders played, you know, baseball and football. And then he had this massive endorsement deal with several different people. But Pizza Hut, I remember, is one of them. And I remember the commercials with Jerry Jones. And he's like, I want both, you know. And, And Deion had some money problems. And he had some issues in his life. And so he was being interviewed about that, and they said, you know, um, Dion, what's the deal? What's, what's, what's the deal with yourself and people like yourself that come into a lot of money, and they, they can't seem to manage that money? And he says, oh, it's, it's not a money issue. It, it's, a, it's an issue of my heart. It's an issue of, of turmoil that, was already, that had already existed, and money only amplified the issue. And it's the same with Technology. Technology is the only amplifying or magnifying the issue that exists within us already. And so there's something on the inside of you that goes, I don't want to think about how I'm living my life right now and how that's not what I really want to be doing with my life. And so you distract yourself. And it's not just technology that we use as a distraction. It can be any number of things. It can be super innocent things as well. It could be like, well, I'm just, you know, i got to get the, the newest, latest toy. You know, i got to get the, the new watch or a new pair of shoes. It, it could be uh, a trip that you're planning or a big vacation or something. It's a distraction. It could be, <laughs> oh, brother, brother Rick. Brother Rick is here with us. Brother Rick had a, uh, I'm trying to think the, like the nice way to put this, but basically had a heart attack. Uh, a, a week and a half ago, and we're just thankful to God that you're here with his brother. Thankful to God that you're here. But he's over there, and he's talking about guitars can be a distraction, and I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that. I mean, it could be any, any, anything. I mean, it could. for some of us, you're like, well, it's not really about a new pair of shoes or a trip or a vacation, but for some of us, it's a business deal or a new venture. For some of us, it's a new relationship or even an affair. These things can be a distraction. Distractions come in any number of shapes and sizes. It could be a hundred different little things that you got going on over here or it could just like be a big thing, one or two big things that just take up your attention and distracts you. And so it's easy to live our life this way with like, what's next? What, what, what am I going to accomplish next? What will happen next? But the truth of the matter is that if you got everything that you wanted, if you got all of the what next, then it still wouldn't matter. It still wouldn't add up to be what you're wanting. You'd still be unfulfilled, and you'd find something else to do. You'd find something else to distract yourself with. It's often easier to distract yourself than it is to face the fact That the world's a mess and that you're a mess and that, you know what, there's some changes I might need to make in my life that that come into alignment with who God is creating me to be and coming into alignment with what he's calling me to do. Distraction is the enemy of change. Distraction is working against us to keep us from changing into being the people God created us to be and to keep us from doing the things that he called us to do. Let's look at it this way there's five levels of change. There's five levels that we go through to see a real change happen in our lives and in the, in the, in the world around us. The first level is this it's just being aware, it's awareness. Well, you know, you're not going to make any kind of change unless you're first aware. And how how does awareness come? Awareness can come through any number of ways. It can come through your own experience. Awareness can come through sitting down with a friend and them sharing their experience with you. It can come through something that you see in the media. But you have to first become aware. That's the first level. Then you graduate to the level of pondering. You begin to ponder the issue. You begin to think about it. You begin to mull it over and over and over and over in your head. You begin to now investigate it, and, you're, and you're, you're, like, Googling the issue. And you're finding out, you're doing research, and you're conducting your own investigation on the issue. Then from there, you go from awareness to, to pondering, and now you graduate to valuing. Now the issue is really important to you. And you're like, hey, this, this is a big deal. Somebody needs to do something about this. This is important, and you value it. Now, here's the intriguing thing about these five levels of change. There's a gap. There's a gap between levels one, two, and three, and then levels four and five over here. There's a gap. And all of us, all of us will go through levels one, two, and three in any number of issues in our life. Any number of issues in our life over the course of our lifetime, we will all go through levels one, two, and three. But not everybody bridges the gap to get to level four. And on the other side of that gap, the level four is where you prioritize. It's where you actually say, hey, I'm going to start changing and shaping my life based according to the things that I say that are important, according to the things that I say that I value, I'm actually going to prioritize those things. And then the next level, level five, is where you own it. It's like you have now completely embodied all of the, these, these things about this issue that you first became aware about all four levels ago, and now it is, it's just grafted into your DNA. It's part of who you are. You own this issue. People know that if they're going to go hang out with you, that they know that they can't spend five minutes with you without you bringing up something about this issue because it's just part of your passion. It's part of who you are. But what's the deal with the gap? What's the deal with, with the thing that, that's keeping us from prioritizing the things that we say we value? Let me give you an example. Two words. Diet and exercise. Probably any of us in here, most of us in here, would probably all agree that diet and exercise are important issues. You know, we're like, yes, absolutely, yes, 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 yes. Diet and exercise are important. You know, we should all be eating healthy. We should be exercising. We should be eating, you know, according to our body style or blood type and, and exercising according to that. And um, you know, we should be just be taking care of our bodies. right? Most of us would all say that that's a very important. We've made it to the value stage. The problem is, is that we don't cross that gap. We don't bridge that gap to where we actually prioritize the things that we say that we value. Why is that? What's the deal with the gap? What's that thing that's getting in our way of keeping us from prioritizing the things that we say that we value? Can anyone guess? You're smart people, it's distraction. It's distraction. How many times have we said to ourselves, tomorrow's the day? Tomorrow's the day, the junk food is getting thrown out of the house, the chips are going, the cookies are going, all the sugar's going, all the bread is going. It's time to turn over a new leaf because tomorrow's the day. And then you wake up the next morning like we did all on Friday morning. What was Friday? National Donut Day. You didn't know? Oh, man. (sighs) Don't worry. It'll be around next year. National Donut Day. And you're like, well, for goodness sake, it's National Donut Day. I have to eat a donut. And you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm just going to drive through donut country and pick up a dozen donuts on the way to work. And just so, you know, we've got some at the office there for everybody. And you know what? You know what? I can't leave the family out. So on the way home from work, we're going to pick up another dozen so that the family can share that. You know what? It just would be unpatriotic of me. To not partake in this National Donut Day. I, you know, it's important that I exercise my rights as an American. Otherwise, I'll lose these freedoms. <laughs> it's funny how distraction is then connected to excuse. I, that, that was a freebie. I didn't even put that in the notes. There's almost always an excuse to put it off another day. And then another week. And then another month. And listen... I'm not preaching at you here. I'm pre- preaching to myself as well. Never mind, the, never mind that man behind the curtain. Never mind the beeping there. Um, listen, before you know it, a week's gone by, a month's gone by, and then it's been a year, and you've not done anything because you were distracted. Distraction is the enemy of change. It robs us From moving forward and living out in the direction that God is calling to us. He's calling us up and say, hey, this is what I have for you. And we get distracted and it steals these opportunities away from us to step toward who God is creating us to be and doing what he's called us to do. Let me give you another example. Two words. Scripture and prayer. Here we are gathered today as the church a gathering of people with Jesus at the center. The, probably the very vast majority of us are believers. There may be some people in the room today that are not. That's okay. We're glad that you're here. We welcome you. But most of us in here, as believers, would, we would all agree, Scripture, reading, studying the Scripture, spending time in prayer, are pinnacle things in the life of every believer. We would say, yes, that's an important thing that I need to be doing with my time and my energy Because it helps me come into alignment with God's plan for my life. It's not because we're like, God's up there and he's got like, you know, the chart that we all had in kindergarten giving us gold stars. That's not what it's about. It's about me fulfilling God's destiny for my life and me studying his scripture and understanding more of who he is and understanding more of what he has called me to be and spending time in prayer and being in relationship with him. That helps me come into alignment with his will for my life. We would all say that's very important, but how many of us actually prioritize our lives to reflect that value? Maybe not the vast majority. Why is that? Distraction. You have an email to answer. A text just dinged in. You know, just by the time you're getting ready to do something really important, just the time... You're getting ready to study that scripture of Matthew. You know, little Johnny comes up and has got a runny nose. Little Susie comes up, she skinned her knee. Kids can be a distraction. And I'm not saying they're not blessings from God. I'm not saying they're not gifts from God. They certainly are. But come on, if you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. And it's not just that. It could be any number of things. It, it's, not, it's, not just, it's not just technology, but it can be housework. It can be chores. It can be our busy schedules. It's the way that we live our lives. We live distracted. We're focusing on all kinds of things, except the things that if we were to slow down for a minute and back up, and we would say, well, these are the things that are really important. We're focusing on everything else except that. We don't pay attention to the most important things because we're distracted with the things that are urgent. The things that are vying for our attention, the things that are right in front of us, the things that the notifications and the alerts, in whatever form they come in. And here's why this matters so much. Here's why this is an important issue. Because if you don't watch where you're going, you will end up where you don't want to be. If you don't watch where you're going, you will end up where you don't want to be. Many of us are just living our lives. We're going wherever culture takes us. Our schedules are basically dictated to us. We're just kind of just letting our schedules being dictated to us, and we're just going along with that. We're not being intentional with the way that we spend our time the way that we spend our energy, the way that we spend our money, with who we're spending our time with. We're not being intentional with that either. So when you don't watch where you're going, you end up where you don't want to be. It makes me think of um, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. He says, don't be like immature children who are blown about all the time With every new thing that comes along. Don't be like that. If you have a 15 or 16 year old that you're teaching to drive. What's one of the very first things that you tell them? Keep your eyes on the road. Why do we tell them that? Because if you don't watch where you're going. You will end up where you don't want to be. Some of us have areas in our lives that are not in alignment with God's picture for our lives. And I'm not saying that God is angry. I'm not saying that God is upset or mad at you. He is a good father. He has good things for his children. And so God is not like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you get your act together? It's more like, come on, son. Come on, daughter. I've got better for you than that. I want you to see the good things that I've got for you in your life. Don't don't be distracted by that. Look at me. Give me your attention. Give me your focus. But we don't see it. We're not on point. We don't bridge that gap. Why? Because we're distracted. We're focusing on everything else. And you know what? This is not a new problem. (laughs) This is not just something, again, that has just popped up in the last 11 years. If we look through all the scripture, we see this story repeated over and over and over again where God shows up, and he's good, and he blesses, and he pours out his goodness. And what do people do? Cool. Thanks, God. Appreciate that. I think I'm going to go check this out over here. Exodus 32. The Israelites cross the Red Sea. Miraculous, miraculous things happening here. The Red Sea engulfs Pharaoh and his army. And they're now at the base of Mount Sinai. And they get bored They get bored because Moses has taken too long up there on the mountain with God. So you know what? Hey, a few thousand of us, let's get together. Let's pool our gold together. Let's melt it down. Let's heat this big fire up. Let's melt it down. And let's let's make our own God to worship. A golden calf. We look at these stories in the Bible and we go... These people with their idols, that's so archaic. We don't have idols. Oh, yeah? Every day that you give this more honor than you give God, you're bowing down to this idol. This is a feel-good one, isn't it? (laughs) Often God gets our leftovers. But he's the only one that can fulfill us. He's the only one. Not our distractions. And I want to say this. I I just made this little funny snide remark about how this is not a feel-good sermon. Um, I I don't want you to feel condemned right now. The Holy Spirit is not waving his finger at you like I mean, your wife might be doing that, but <clears throat> Holy Spirit's a lot more kind than that. And like I said earlier, our heavenly Father—he's a good Father, and He's not like waiting to beat you over the head the next time you pay attention to your, you know, Instagram notification. What He's saying, hey, don't let that distract you from what's really important right now. Don't let that distract you from who I've calling you to be, the life that I'm calling you to live, you don't need to be so worried about the life of other people. You don't need to be so worried about looking at Instagram, seeing what other people are doing. I'm not saying Instagram is bad or evil or wrong. I love Instagram. I think it's a lot of fun. Facebook can be a great thing. can be awful thing sometimes too. But listen, don't don't walk out of here and feel like, oh, my God, I just God hates me. That's not it at all. God loves you, and he has... A very best for you and so what we need to do is learn how to say no to things that are okay so that we can say yes to the very best that God has for us listen like I said God is the only one that can fulfill us not our distractions if we look again throughout the scriptures scripture is filled with uh, verses and concepts that our life is bigger than just vain You know, fleeting happiness and distraction and diversion. Some of our favorite verses that, you know, favorite across the board throughout all circles of Christianity that have to do with this issue. Jeremiah 29 11. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, you've heard this one. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Ephesians 3:20 says now all glory to God who is able. He is able through his mighty power at work within us. Isn't that cool? To accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Listen, you were made for a purpose. You are made for a purpose. God wants to work infinitely greater than you can imagine or think through you. His mighty power at work in you and through you. So let's stop being distracted. and Let's give our attention and our focus to him because he is worthy. And because what he has called us to is worthy. At least somebody's happy about it. You guys remember the Apostle Peter? Holly just read this scripture just a moment ago. Which this was not planned. You didn't know what my notes were, and I didn't know you were going to do that. The Apostle Peter, this guy that spent three years with Jesus, he he actually walked on the water. Like Peter gets a bad rap for like you know, you know getting out of the boat and then starts sinking. But there's this part where he actually did walk on water with Jesus. It's pretty amazing. And I, you know, even even the part where he starts to sink, you know, and Jesus grabs him. Like, I I don't think that like Jesus drug him back to the boat. (laughs) Like, I'm sure that Jesus picked him up and he walked back on water to the boat. Pretty awesome. This guy, that's the guy I'm talking about. This is what he said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. What is Peter talking about here? The end of all things is near. If you read throughout the New Testament, you come across these passages from time to time. And it's almost like, hey Peter, um, it's like almost, it's like 2,000 years later and we're still all here. Like maybe the end of the world, it wasn't coming as soon as you thought it was. But that's not exactly what Peter was talking about here. Peter's saying, hey, the world could end at any moment. What he's saying is that God had played all of his cards already. He's done everything that needed to be done. It doesn't mean that God's not at work on the Earth today, and that the time for signs and wonders and miracles is over. That's not what he's saying either, but what he's saying is that everything that God needed to do to redeem His people back to him, and he set all of that in motion, and it's been accomplished. Jesus came. He was born of a virgin, He lived a perfect life. He died a sinless death on the cross. He rose a powerful resurrection from the grave, and now the Holy Spirit has been poured out and is made available to all believers. It's done. What Peter is saying here is that nothing else needs to be done before Jesus returns, and we don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen at any moment. So what is it he's saying? He's saying in light of this understanding, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled. If there's anything that we lack in our societies today under these two things, It's being clear-minded and self-controlled. Think of all the information that enters into your brain every single day through your eyes and through your ears. And so many of us have so much going on. Not just stuff that that we can't help. I mean, if you're driving from here to lunch in a few minutes, you're going to pass all kinds of information. Even if you keep the radio turned off in the car. You might have people in the car with you that are passing information to your brain. You're going to see lots of information as you drive to your next destination. And then those are, the, those are just the things that are just everyday common to everybody. Then add on top of that this. This. And oh, I don't need to go to the movie theater. I can watch Iron Man 3 right here on my phone. I can watch Netflix right here. I can do all kinds of things right here. And we're not clear-minded. We take no time for reflection. We have no place to withdraw to for silence and solitude with Jesus. This is one of the reasons we're not clear-minded. And then isn't it interesting that Peter ties these two things together, clear-mindedness and being self-controlled? They're connected. And it's obvious to me, I think we could probably all agree, that our culture at large today is not very self-controlled. We just, if we think of something, we just do it. Even if we don't have the money. Run this credit card. Run this credit card. We do whatever we want to when we feel like it. So let me ask you this. Why do we need to be self-controlled and clear-minded? This is what Peter says. So that you can pray. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-control. Why? Because we need to pray. Peter's saying, God wants to do something significant in you and through you. But he's waiting for you to take the step toward him. It's not like you've got to jump through all these hoops to get to that point. You just have to invite him. You just say, yes, God, come be part of our lives. God wants to do something in our church, something through our church in this community. He wants to reach people here in Middle Tennessee that aren't being reached. He wants to reach people that are hurting. He wants to reach people that desperately need Jesus, but it's not going to happen just because we get all of our organizational ducks in a row. It's gonna happen because we invite him. We say, God, come and move and have your way in us and through us. Move on our behalf. And how do we do that? First and foremost, it's through prayer. Prayer is where we invite God into our lives. God, work in me. God, work through me. It's where we communicate with God and we invite him. The King James Version says it this way in 1 Peter 4. Verse 7, it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. If you don't watch where you're going, you will end up where you don't want to be. But the great thing is, that's kind of a negative statement, but the great thing is, is that you can watch where you're going. You can come into alignment with God's plan for your life. And how do we do that? Through prayer. watch. Unto prayer. The reason that many of us, we don't have time for prayer is because we're watching different things. We're watching different things. We're distracted. And God wants to partner. He doesn't want to partner with us. He wants us to partner with him, with what he's already doing in the earth today. And he's saying, hey, won't you come be a part of this? But he's waiting on us to step toward him. He's not going to grab you and make you do it. Dallas Willard said this. He said this. God will, generally speaking, he'll not compete for our attention. If we will not withdraw from the things that obsess and exhaust us and go into solitude and silence, he'll usually leave us to our own devices. I'm sure that Dr. Willard did not really intentionally mean these kinds of devices, but I think it's kind of fitting. Also, that's wonderful, awesome. Let's put these devices down. Let's say yes to God. So, God, do something big. Do something special. Do something amazing. Help me introduce people to the real Jesus. Let's close by looking at what Jesus said here to his disciples. He was kind of giving them some forewarning about his return. And he was saying, hey, you need to be vigilant here. In Mark chapter 13, this is what he says. This is, therefore, keep watch because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back. And I know a lot of times this this scripture has been like like used as a hammer. (laughs) You better watch out. It's like God's like, you better watch out. You better not pout, you know. Santa Claus is coming to town. No. This is not a hammer. But this is an encouragement and this is a charge from Jesus. He says, you don't know when the owner of the house will come back. It might be in the evening. It might be in midnight. It might be when the rooster crows. It might be at dawn. If he comes suddenly, don't let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Now, who's everyone? That includes us here in this room. And Jesus said, watch. Watch where you're going. you don't watch where you're going, you'll end up where you don't want to be. But you can watch. You can watch unto prayer. Your life can come into alignment with God's plan for your life. Let it not be said of us that when Jesus returns, that we were found sleeping. Let it not be said of us that when Jesus returns, that we were distracted. But when Jesus comes back, Let him find a church that is alive and active. And we are out there changing people's lives by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in us and through us. Amen? Let's redirect our focus on him. Let's invite him to work in us and through us because he wants to do something infinitely greater than we could ever ask or think. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Help us hear this message. Help us see where we've been distracted. Help us give our attention and our affections to you because, Jesus, we proclaim again that you are worthy. We thank you that you want to use us to do something significant here in Middle Tennessee and around the world. God, we ask you to mobilize us, to activate us, to focus on us. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us about how we can say yes to the changes that you want to make in our lives so that we can be who you've called us to be, so that we can do the things that you've called us to do. God, we thank you that as we cry out to you, as we pray to you, as we watch unto prayer, that you are faithful to answer. I just want to invite you right now here just in this, just to take a brief moment to just ask Holy Spirit just to reveal to you some areas in your life that may be a distraction where you can cut back on that And you can take steps towards him. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are so kind that you're so good, that you deal with each and every one of us in the way that we we best need it. I thank you that your power is at work in us and through us. I thank you. You've given us power, dynamite power, to be bold witnesses everywhere we go. God, we just pray that you would help our lives be a testimony of the gospel. That Jesus, that you died the pure and spotless lamb sacrificed on the cross to buy us back into right standing with God the Father and that there is nothing that we have to do to attain that, to deserve that. I thank you that it belongs to us. And all we do is just say, yes, I believe. I thank you for that free gift. And so Holy Spirit, quicken our hearts to continue to step towards you, to continue to come close towards you. And I thank you that we have this promise in, in the scriptures that when we come close to you, You come close to us, that you purify our hearts. If you're here today and you feel like you're far from God, you don't have to leave here feeling the same way. You can know that you're in a right relationship with God today if you call out on the name of Jesus. In just a moment, as we dismiss, we're going to have our prayer team over here on the side of this wall. And I want to encourage you, if you're here and you want to take a step toward that right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, come down here to the front on the side here and talk to one of my friends in the prayer team because they'd be glad to get to, to know your name and pray with you and take that first step through the threshold of following Jesus. Would you stand with me? If there's any other need that you have for prayer, any whatsoever, nothing's too small, nothing's too big, come down here and agree with somebody in prayer concerning your issue. We believe that when we pray, when we watch unto prayer, that our Heavenly Father listens and that He is at work on the earth today. Amen. Next week, we're going to be talking about why we feel so compelled all the time to take pictures and video of everything and then share it with everybody. Not that that's the evil, bad thing, but we're going to be talking about that a little bit. So I want to encourage you to come back, invite somebody else to come back and be part of what God is doing here because Jesus is building something great. He's building something great right here among us. We are the stones that he's using to build. And he is the cornerstone. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.